So last week, um, <clears throat> last week was a good message, wasn't it? How many of you remember it? Yeah, not the title. How many of you remember the? <laughs> even I remember the title. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, <laughs> we ended our message in uh, the third episode of John. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. And uh, we, we said that, um, John says that, not me, but Apostle John says that, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and in health, even as your soul prospers. So he's saying, I pray that you prosper. In all things, say all things. All things means? Right. So if there's an area in your life that is not prospering, it means there's an issue with the soul. So if there's an issue with the soul, that it really boils down to your mind because that's where you really make choices from. Are you with me? So if there's an issue in your business... Hmm? It means that there's nothing wrong with the business. It means that the mind hasn't made choices that has benefited the business. Which means that the atmosphere of, of, that is around you is the evidence of the atmosphere that is in you. Are you with me? So if you were to see the atmosphere around you, the, 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 the things that are around you. He said, I prosper in all things. All things, it means things, not spiritual, he's talking about physical things. Your health, wealth, family, business, everything, even your car, even your phone. See, you know, these phone companies, they really work for God. And throughout the year, they come up with new technology to tell you that they are prospering. And if you, are, if you understand how, how to progress, you understand how God progresses, he's progressive, you will know where to invest. That's why every year you go and buy, it's not a sales gimmick. That's the way God functions. And the way you buy a new phone is you go home and you watch the launch. <laughs> wow. You fill your mind with all the... Stuff about the new phone. Most people, they give you only 5% increase of technology, but they sell it to you as if it's like, wow, fallen down from heaven. And you go and pay a new price for that phone. It's the same way with the mind. Our minds have, God has created our minds in such a way that based on a desire to grow, based on a desire to improve, based on a desire to see, have a better life, you have to have your mind renewed. You've got to see your future before you have it. That's a good word. You've got to see your future before you can have it. If you see your future and it's not good, don't invest in it. But if you see your future and it is good, invest in it. See, our parents did something. They saw a great future for us. That's why they invested in our education. That's why today we can sit in church and communicate in this language. 
And you can understand and you can allow God's word to transform your mind because someone took the initiative to invest into you. Are you with me? Are you catching my drift? <laughs> right? And so now John, the apostle John is saying, I pray that you prosper in all things even as your soul prospers. So which means that, that, the, that my mind, will and emotions are not prospering. There is a direct impact of that in my life around me. So if you would look at your marriage, your business, your finances, you look, at, you look at your church even that you're part of. And if it's not prospering, there is an issue either with your mind or your hearing. <laughs> because your mind will only receive words that you hear. But most times people think it's audible hearing, but actually there's a spiritual hearing. That we hear God and we hear, his, 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 the, we hear the enemy or we hear God speaking to us. Most times it's not audible, but most times he's speaking and we hear. And we receive the word and we allow our mind to be renewed by, by, by believing that God has a better future for us. That is why we invest in it. We invest in coming here. We invest in, in, in being a part of a community. We invest by sowing seed into, into the offering. We invest into people because we see a better future. If you don't see a future that is better than your past, you will never invest in that. Are you with me? And so the atmosphere around you is the evidence of the atmosphere within you. So the atmosphere of your life is really the quality of life that you live. Because the quality of life determines the extent of life that you live. Are you with me? I'm repeating a little bit of last week so that you, so that you understand where I'm going today. And people, they say, can look at your friends and tell you who you are. You heard that? Right? And people generally tend to... To make friends with people who are exactly like themselves. And have you ever noticed that you never grow when you're around people who are exactly like you? Why do we continue to have those friends then? You said it. So if you're, if you're hanging out with your friends or people that you are that you know that are exactly like you, you never ever grow. You, ne you're, you're, you never, what's the word? You're, yeah, you're not, it's not challenged, but you are never put in a position to see a better future by hanging out with the people who are exactly like you. Because they don't see a future, they just see you. And you don't see a future because they are exactly like you. So basically, you are seeing yourself in other people. And that's why you choose to hang around with those people. That's why you choose to go to the same church. That's why you choose to go to the same meetings. That's why you choose to hang out in the same coffee shop. That's why you choose to hang out on the, sit on the same chair every week. See, we're used to comfort zones. We want to be comfortable. We want to be secure. We want to feel safe. But growth never comes in safety. Growth happens when you're challenged. And today is a challenging word. Okay? 
When we hang around people who are exactly like us, we're not put in a position to see someone who is better than us. Someone who does business better than us. Someone who does church and ministry better than us. Someone who walks better than us, who talks better than us, who dresses better than us. See, the, the reason why we want to hang out with our own people is only because we feel safe. What if I told you that fear masks itself in security so that you do not grow? Fear masks itself in security so that you don't ever grow and the enemy does not want you to grow because he's got blessings, your blessings, with him. He's got, a, that he's got life that you're supposed to live and enjoy with him, but he wants you to just hang around with the same people and never be challenged. Oh, you know, I, I, this, is, this is my clique, my friends, man. We, we've been the same friends since school, you know, since the reason why we like hanging around with people who are exactly like us is because, because the real you wants to be invisible. The reason why you like to hang around with people who are like you is because the real you wants to be invisible. Because when you're invisible, you don't get rejected. The real you, every, have you noticed that till you're invisible, everybody likes you. Everybody it tolerates you. Everybody, you know, they say, come, come, hang out with us. Come, come. But the minute you start showing who you really are, you start showing ambition. You start showing a drive. You start showing that, man, I really want to do something in my life. And you challenge this little comfort zone. Then they start rejecting you. I'm not saying a friend rejects you, but I'm, I'm, you, know, you know what I mean? It's just that the, that the who you really are, the potential, your human potential, the potential that of who God made you to be gets completely lost because you're so safe and secure and everybody loves you and everybody says nice things to you and everybody gives you compliments all the time and everybody says, man, I love what you wear, even though they really don't like what you wear. They love what you, oh, that perfume, even though it's cheap, is mm, my God, is brilliant absolutely brilliant and even though it's giving me a headache I tolerate it because you are not challenging me to grow when we're in a comfort zone it should be a concern for us when we're secure and and when we are in this place of security where nobody's challenging me to grow nobody is saying come on man there's a better way to do this come on you can speak better come on you can dress better come on wear skinny jeans stop wearing those baggy baggy pants come on you can wear slim fit come on you can come on you can you can watch better programs on tv and speak better english see i learned how to speak english yes at home i studied Okay, please don't think I did not study. I studied. But, but you know, I, I knew earlier on that God did not call me just to India. Please, listen to what I'm saying. Okay? We project what we want people to see about us. But the real us is hidden somewhere because most times we're really embarrassed about who we are. 
Most times, we tend to put our best foot forward and then six months later when they find out who you really are, you know, our comfort zone should be a, a, a concern to us because you never really get to see the potential of the renewed mind. Never. You never get to see the potential. We come to church and we think that this book is only for ministry and it is for church. And we never get to see what see the purpose of what God has really called us for. What God has called us for is so much more greater than just doing church. Singing songs and, and having these awesome slides and, and these speakers and camera and all that kind of stuff. It is, it is so much more greater than just having a business and, and having a family and, and you know, making money. And, and, and then you, you make so much money that you want to give it to your kids. And, and then you, you're, you're, it's like one, leg, one foot in the grave, one foot outside. And you're like, wow, I did so well with my life. And God is thinking, what have you done with the purpose that I gave you while you're on the earth? We think that our, that, our, that, our, that our purpose has to do with, with just living. We think that our purpose has to do with just, you know, making ends meet. We think our purpose is about just doing church and ministry and I want to heal the sick and cast out demons and cleanse the lepers and all that kind of stuff. It's great. But God wants to give you a greater purpose than you're actually living today. And your purpose in life is only, is only revealed the, when you understand the potential of humanity. The potential of humanity is revealed to you when your mind gets renewed by God's word and your mind, your soul now is transformed by God's word and every situation around you begins to get influenced by God's word and you begin to see the potential of being a human being. We want to be so spiritual that we're really no earthly good. We want to be so much in heaven that God is saying, I sent you here for a reason. What are you doing with your life? See, we think that, we think that having a great ministry, having a big church, having a big business is, is what God has really called us to do. But if you, the legacy of your life is revealed in how much transformation you have really made. It's not revealed in how much money you had in the bank account before you died or how many kids you had or how well you looked after your kids and your wife or how, how much friends you have. But if you look over your shoulder, if you look over your shoulder and you look at your life, how much transformation have you really made in the world today? See, because we, we may say, well, I, 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 do, I do good things. I do lots of good works. I give money away. I do charity and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm talking about today is eternal transformation. Not just transformation. Wow, I changed the way I dress today, pastor, because you spoke about it. But I'm talking about transformation in the world that has an eternal significance. Come on now. See, you need to understand that when Jesus did something in the world, when he paid his, gave his life for you, you were eternally saved. Yeah. Which means you are, you are transformed forever. Yeah. What have you changed forever? Come on now. We can talk about healing the sick, casting out demons, having a good church. Today, you might get offended and not come back tomorrow. This is not an indication of how successful we are as a church. We, success is measured in how much eternal transformation we have made in our lives. 
how much transformation we have brought in the people that we encounter. See, we're too, we're pretty safe with church. Because we like the people, man. Like, you know, my buddies are going to church. You know, I want to go to church. Yeah, nice. I can hang out. But when you come into this environment, do you really believe that you are changed forever? Or are you just attending church? When you go to your office, are you, are you doing your office work in such a way with, with the renewed mind that eternally that business will last? Come on now. Come on. Come on. When we don't like the company, we curse it. <laughs> but God is calling us to make an eternal significance on the planet. Let's open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, please. Can I, before we get there, can I tell you something? We all have a purpose, God-given purpose in our life. Every single person. Ministry is just the expression of it. Business is just the expression of it. These are all channels through which God uses in order to bring that significance, bring that transformation, right? But when we, when we hang around in comfort zones with people who, who don't challenge us, we, we don't have an opportunity to allow our minds to be renewed by God's word. Are you with me? Every time we choose safety over faith, we're saying, God, I prefer safety over faith. And faith really doesn't make you feel safe. Faith actually is attracted to the most dangerous places. The most riskiest things. That's what faith is attractive. Things that you, that, you, that you can't comprehend with your mind. Like, like, Christ, like Christianity, for example. I, can't, just like, I, can't, I gave up trying to comprehend it. I, I gave up trying to, trying to picture Genesis 1. I just really, I, 1, 2, 3 is like, I gave up. I just believe it. It's, it's beyond comprehension. And I, I just feel like, you know, we need to allow our minds, when our minds are renewed by God's word, we, we come into a position where, we bring such an eternal uh, transformation in every aspect of our lives. Every aspect of our lives. It cannot be just one area, ministry or church. It has to be in every area of our life. Every area of our life. And I feel like, you know, when you have a, a desire to grow, you, you, must, you must fight against the system. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get at. You gotta, you gotta fight against the comfort zone, fight against the security. You gotta, you gotta see people who are doing way better than you. You gotta, you gotta desire to be like them, but also at the same time, you gotta hang out with them. You gotta pursue relationships that will take you forward and not keep you in the same place. You gotta pursue people who are really doing well in life in every aspect of their life. If, if you want to grow in business, then you've got to hang out with people who are really growing in business. Why? It's because they will challenge your mindset with theirs. Oh, come on now. Well, I, we were talking about business, right? Oh, most, of, some of you put up, oh, most of you put up your hands and stood up. Now, 
The challenge is, would you go and hang out with the same people who you hung out with last week? Or would you allow your mind to be renewed by people who are in business, who are successful, who are driven, who, are, who, who don't waste their time, who don't sit and drink chai and karama? For hours and hours and hours because they understand that time is money and they need to make sure that they're stewards of their time. See, because that's where you get challenged, right? Come here, let's sit down. Yeah, we've not met in a long time. No, the problem is I'm, I've been busy, man. What, what have you been busy doing? No, I've been busy preparing a life that I want to make sure transforms every area of my life. I'm busy. People ask me, well, Pastor John, you look really busy. Yeah, I am busy. I have 17, 18 hour days. Every day. Why? It's because I'm not content with the life and the people's lives that I'm meeting. I'm not content with my, with my clients' businesses. I'm not content with it. I have a drive in me to make sure that my clients have a better business. That's why I'm with them to give them solutions so that their business can grow. Do you think that salespeople are going there only for money so that they can make it their targets, meet their targets? You've got to go there with a solution for a problem. The reason why they invite you into their office is because you have a solution. And if you don't understand that you have a solution and you're just going there to meet your targets, your comfort zone. Come on now. Come on. Some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not in sales, pastor. I'm not in sales. I'm just, you know, at home. Well, look at your house. The state of your house, the way you run your children will tell you what is in your mind. Whether your drive for your children is to be successful or is a drive for, you, for them to be comfortable. <laughs> because your children need to be set up in a way that they should go and your responsibility as a parent is to uh, create an atmosphere of challenge. We can't just give them an iPad and say, just play. You got to give them an iPad but give them something that challenges their mind to think outside the box so that they can get better than you. Yeah. Oh, come, on. come on now. Come on. I'm not saying take technology and throw it out of the box. Man, study your child. Study what they need and provide an atmosphere that will really bring a challenge to me. You know, I tell you something. Every single person that is, that is on, in ministry in this church, every single head, I sit with them and I challenge them for the future. You know why? Because I live five years from now. I am constantly five years from, from now. I'm seeing the church five years from now, and I want to bring it now. Do you understand? There's a drive that we need to have that, that sees a better future and says, man, I got to have it now. You don't understand. We got to push the envelope. We got to push the, remove the walls. We got to do something that really challenges our people's creativity, in, with creativity. Not because I want to have a big church. I want to set you up to be successful. I want to create an atmosphere that really challenges you to be successful at what you do. But if you're happy with your job and you're happy with your business where it's at, you might find me annoying. Because I won't sit with you and not talk to you about your future. Because to me, the past is pretty boring. The present is lethargic. I don't procrastinate. 
We've got to be driven because there's something that God wants us to do and we're busy wasting time. You said don't get offended. You guys okay? I am not angry. I'm very passionate. Very passionate. I wake up every single day thinking of you. How I can bring something that God is telling me that will change your life, that will inspire you to walk a life that is so dynamic that you will never be limited by your surroundings. How can we create an atmosphere in church that allows business people to come in and thrive? You come, artists to come in and thrive, musicians come in and thrive. How do we create that mothers and fathers who have children in their house, how can we create an environment with kids' church that can really allow kids to thrive? Come on, man. We can't sit down and let life happen to us. There are Christians who let life happen to them, and there are those Christians who make life happen for them. And I am one of them. And this church is one church that will make life happen. Are you at Philippians chapter 4? Thank you. So the title of my sermon today, before I go any more further, is The Potential of Humanity. We'll read from verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked the opportunity. Now, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is like the second most famous verse in the Bible after John 3.16. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We, we, we really don't know what context really he's talking about in this place. Uh, the pretext to this verse is it, 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 Paul is saying, he, he's like, oh, hold on a minute. I, I, I have need. But really, I'm content. I'm full, but I'm content. There's a difference. There's a difference between in being in need and being content at the same time. And there's a difference between being full in the stomach and being content. Some of us think, I used to think, that when I have a big meal, especially a thali, I will be content. But it isn't true according to the Bible. So I had to repent. I have to change my mind. Because full doesn't mean being content. And Paul is saying, whether I'm in need or I, 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 I have everything that I have in my life, I am content. This is the pretext to I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the context of what he's talking about is actually in verse 8. If you can go there. He says, finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good of, of a good report, if there is virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So 
when I read the context and the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it tells me that Paul says that meditating on what God does and who God is makes me content. Are you with me? When, when I meditate on what God does, there's a contentment that fills my heart. Even if I'm full or hungry, I'm content. Because I have allowed my mind to be filled with what God does. I mean, you're talking about whatever things are true. We know the truth is Jesus, right? Whatever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, and praiseworthy. I mean, when we see testimonies of, of how God moves in people's lives, right? We, we look and we celebrate it. Some of, some of us celebrate, some of us stand. Some of, no, no, no. When you celebrate the testimony of God moving in someone's life, what you're doing is you're filling yourself with contentment. You might have a need here today. You might need healing in your body. You might, you might need money in your bank. You might need a job. But God is looking to see whether you will choose him and you will be content with him. Come on now. Some people come here only because they want money. And, and really, I get threatened by people sometimes that if, if, they, if I don't give them money, they will stop coming to church. Or if I don't give them a position here on, in the church, leadership, and I give them, you know, worship team and all that kind of stuff, people come and they think they're asking for, 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 to, to do something great in, in ministry, and I'm looking for people who are content. I'm looking for people who are, who are really content. But what is he content with? He's content with seeing God moving. You look at, look at it, look at it, it's It's truth. It's eternal. Nobility, eternal. Justice, eternal. Pure, purity, eternal. Love, eternal. Good report, eternal. Virtue, eternal. Praiseworthy, eternal. Forever we will sing his praise. It's an, it, it, everything that he meditates on is something that is eternal. And Paul is saying, I fill my mind. I am content with who God is and what God does on the earth. Whether I'm in need or no need, I'm content. You know, we, we, we've, been, we've been taught wrong when we come to church. Come to church to get your healing. Come to church, man, they'll give you money. Come to church, man, it's a good experience. Come to church, you'll feel loved and welcomed. And, you know, you can go to the guest center and meet the pastor. And sometimes it's an appointment, like long appointment. And, and I, I just want you to know, I would love to hang out with people who are content. Who are not so needy all the time. People who, who whether, whether we, we pay the bill or we don't pay the bill, they're content. Whether they eat food or they don't eat food, they're content. Whether there's enough coffee and snacks at the back after church service is over, we're content. Why? Whether we have electricity in church today and AC, no, 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 no we're content. We come here, Pastor, because we're, we're content with, with who God is in this church. See, that is a transform, that's a renewed mind that now can have authority on the earth. 
Because if you are not content and you are needy all the time, now the world will present something to you and you will grab it. Do you understand? You understand what I'm saying? The riches of this world will come to you and it will present itself. But if you're not content, you will grab onto it. And you will fall prey to the cycle of striving. But when you're content with who God is and what he does and what he's done for you in your life, even if a million dollars would come down your way, if it's come from the enemy, you would refuse it. Let me tell you something. You know, there was a businessman who came to our church some time ago, uh, maybe about a year or two years ago. And, and he came here and he was just absolutely almost died. And he, a miracle that he resurrected. And, and he was in the church and he was in jail and all that kind of stuff. He's just absolutely washed on the shore. Like absolutely nothing's happening in his life. And he came here and within, within three weeks, we renewed his mind and we restored him back into business. God restored him back into business in three weeks of being completely washed out. Do you understand? And now from, from having absolutely nothing, he gets business deals of a 900 million. Do you understand? 900, I'm telling you the potential of business in this church is so high. If you have a renewed mind, you will just absolutely grow in this church. Nine, that was only one. He had, he had 150 million in Australia. There was just so much of it. So anyway, within three weeks, his life just absolutely turned around. But the guy came and he said, you know, I, I want to give my tithe. 900 million, 10% of 900 million is a, is, a, is a lot of money. I'm thinking, firstly, the banks are just going to start like, what? Where did this come from? What is a tithe? I have to do a teaching <laughs> to the bank. Anyway, so, so, but the guy said, hey, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to give you this money, but I want you to build an orphanage in Africa, and I want you to take this money and take care of the orphans in Africa. See, it's a good heart, but it came with control. Now, if I, as a pastor, needed that 9.5 million, I could have said, sure. Right? Sure, I'll, I'll take it. I spent one million in Africa for an orphanage, and then the rest we can party with. But I told the guy, I said, listen, that money that you got is not even yours. Your tithe into the church, it, it, it belongs to, the, to God anyways. It's your honor to God. But it doesn't come with control and, and, and conditions. Do you understand? Oh, what are you doing with the church's money? What do you have to do? It's not, your, it's not the church's money. It's the Lord's money. What he says that we should do with it, we should do with it. So I told him, you can keep your money. You can keep your 9.5 million. I don't want it. But if he gave it to me, I, see, in my mind, I have about 450 people in our church when everybody comes, or 400 people when everybody comes. I have about 400 people who are in need. And God has called me to serve the need of the people. And I would take that 9.5 million and serve the need of the people first. Then transform the lives of the people here. Then we can go to Africa and do awesome things in Africa. But if I wasn't content, I would have taken it. If I wasn't content, uh, if, I wa if I wasn't content, I wouldn't preach a sermon that challenges you. I would preach a sermon that makes you love me. You know, being, being content is something that, you know, really helps in, in marriages.
We need to make decisions out of contentment and not desperation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say something. Please don't get offended. Okay? You know, the, I, I've seen, I've come across many people, many people, singles especially, when, when they're at the age of marriage and they don't get that guy or girl or lady in their life, they, 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 they wait for the right one to come. And they're waiting for God to move. They're waiting for God to leave his throne, <laughs> hold the guy by his hand, say, come, Baba, come. Let me introduce you to your future wife. Huh? And so they're waiting. They have a list. God, he has to have this kind of hair. He has to have hair. <laughs> right? He has to have a good job. Degree, degree. Degree qualification is must. After that, he has to come from a good, loving family, Christian family. Then after that, all these stipulations. I mean, like, as if God owns Shadi.com. Like, I mean, like, it's a matrimonial site. Like, well, what the heck, you know? And so, and so, and so now we have, we have people now who are waiting for God to move. And God is saying, you move. But see, they're actually so fearful of going out and asking a guy for a date because no, 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 girls don't, girls don't do that. And the guys are so scared of asking the girls to, to date where the father will come and get involved or the pastor will get involved. And anyway, so anyway, I don't, I don't want to go down that road. But, but, but the point to what I'm saying is people wait. And they wait. Five years. They're still waiting for Mr. Wright. Mr. Wright has left. <laughs> and they're still waiting for him. <laughs> they're still waiting for him to come. And they're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And now they're like 40 years old and now they're like they're looking and <laughs> they're looking left and right. <laughs> and so and so here you have a person who who should have broken out of the comfort zone and said, God, that guy looks good. Let me just get to know him to see whether he is the potential target. <laughs> the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> and so now, five years, now they're 25, 30, 35, 40, and now they look in the mirror and they're like, <laughs> it's all happening. It's catching up. And they're like, God, you know, what is happening? Where, where's Mr. Right? Where's Mr. And then Mr. Wrong comes past. And it, because they are not content in God, they make a, a choice out of desperation. 
the guy makes a choice out of desperation the girl makes a choice out of desperation and the problem is that you're settling for someone less come on don't settle for someone less settle for the right one and when you you know when you feel that when you see that person and you feel that you know that yeah the i was going to say fluttery feeling but the the butterflies in your heart and you feel it in your stomach just go man just go and ask hey can i have coffee with you why cuz i think you're interesting we're too scared to even give a compliment we we can't we've got to come into a place where we're so content with life that whether whether i have a man or i don't have a man or i have a woman or don't have a woman husband wife it doesn't matter what matters is i am so content by god that my purpose is greater than my desperation for something we should stop living and then after that you know they get gray and they start dyeing their hair and they start regretting and they start being foul in church and they start having such a sour face when they pray and they're like god you forgot me and they start reading esther stories and ruth stories and bez boaz and this one and that come on man you know i'm telling you i've seen my fair share of these we have to come into a place single people single people take my advice single people take my advice marriage is the most beautiful gift apart from salvation but it will take you and it will put you in a blender and it will completely challenge everything that you grew up knowing and what comes out of it only god knows but it's good it's good it's good it's very good but i'm telling you you become smooth after <laughs> some of you guys who are not married you know i want to tell you guys and girls okay i would rather be with a person who is content than needy all the time who depends on what i do for them in order to feel loved so if i if i if i buy you a good cup of coffee they'll be ah oh, he loves me tomorrow coffee is not good he loves me not <laughs> you you understand what's happening here today worship team did awesome songs ah oh, worship was good wow too good tomorrow they make a mistake oh not good not good problem is that we don't know the difference between being satisfied and being content and god desires for us to be content you can't be satisfied with this life man the minute you get satisfied with life you start procrastinating you become a pond instead of a river <laughs> you hang around with the same guys the same fish same round and round same restaurants same food stayed in the same place so many years no challenge i don't don't like challenge pastor you know i read only john 316 <laughs> because i feel loved by god feel loved 
when God doesn't do a miracle in your life and God does miracles in somebody else's life, you look at him, God, for so many years I've been faithful to you. I fasted, I prayed, I went to intercessory meeting, I covered my head, I covered my face, I did everything. Huh? I did everything for you. Can't you do one miracle for me? I want you to know that God did everything on the cross. Everything was done and finished on the cross. That is why you can stand up and say, I can do all things. It's because Christ has finished. He's done all, everything that needs to be done. So the contentment, the way I feel content is only when I bring transformation. I can't sit down and, and be okay with procrastination when the world is in need of transformation. My purpose from God, your purpose from God is transformation. It's not having a good life. Please, let me tell you something. If you read about Paul, if you see how when, when Saul became Paul in the Bible, you know what God says about, about Paul? He says to Ananias, I've called him to suffer for me. Can you imagine Paul saying, yes, God, I will suffer for you. And he writes things like this, that, are, that I'm content. And we think that the day we give our life to Jesus, that we will be fully satisfied. No, you cannot be satisfied. You should not be satisfied. You should have a desperation for more. You should have a hunger for more. Not just of God, but of a better life that God has in plan for you. We are called to bring transformation. Life is a ministry. This church is a ministry of transformation. I will not sit with you and pat you and make you feel good. I'm interested in changing your life. I'm interested in changing your mind so that forever and ever, I don't have to deal with the same problem again, but forever and ever, you are changed. <laughs> you understand? I, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. We're busy. We're, we're busyness people. Get it? We're busyness people. We're busy all the time. People call, up to, call me up and say, Pastor, you know, the, you know I, I, I did not call you because I knew you were busy. Exactly, I was busy. Thank you for not calling me. Because I was busy. What was I busy doing? I was busy transforming someone's life. I was busy transforming a situation. I was I'm, I'm about my father's business. Do you understand? We've got to come into this place. Oh, no, don't be so needy about the pastor and his wife. Don't be so needy. Oh, they need my time. I need their time. I need this. I need them only to speak to me. Just grow up. We need to come into a place where we're so content with life and with God that we have a desire to change the life around us. You have a life around you that needs you. Doesn't need your pastor. Doesn't need eldership. Doesn't need deacons and prophets and all evangelists and all. It needs you. Your life needs you. You know, I love... What, what, what Kelsey did today about the crew team, you know, she said, hey, we have a need in the house. We have a need for people to, to, to sign up on the crew team because we want to do something that will change the way we do church. Serious. You know, sadly, Christ, most Christians uh, never end up doing anything good in their life. 
You know why? It's because they're waiting for God to move. <laughs> Sick person comes, they're waiting. <laughs> Business opportunity comes, they're waiting on God. I, I want to hear. I want to hear from God. Only then will I go. If you understand how God made you and why he made you, then you'll understand that every sick person comes your way is God sent. Do you understand? Every business opportunity you have is, a, is an opportunity that God is giving you to see whether you will make a difference. Oh, come on. No, some people are like, oh, whoa, whoa, I don't know where to invest my money. Oh, pastor, you know, please, I'm, I'm very skeptical. Be skeptical. You will never invest your money. Because to invest request, requires trust. You've got to trust. You've got to take a risk. You know, somebody said faith is spelled risk. R-I-S-K. And sadly, it's like everybody, most times people don't want to do anything good in their life because they're waiting for God or the pastor to do something good. They wait, only, only pastor, pray for me, then I'll have my healing. No, come on. We've got to grow out of it. We've got to mature into a place where we understand that if I don't move, God won't move. Oh, come on now. In the old covenant, Israel looked at the cloud by day, fire by night, and when it moved, they moved. But in the new covenant, in the New Testament, Jesus says, the spirit, nobody knows where the spirit is going, where he comes from. But the spirit lives on the inside of us. And the Spirit re requires us to move. He requires us to move so that He can move. Listen, when was I, like I, I shared a couple of weeks ago, when was the last time you told your shadow to go and heal someone? But the Spirit knows that it needs to heal. And the Spirit will move. I, I feel like, you know, we're coming into a, 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 a mature state of sonship with God that God is saying, I'm willing to trust you with the earth. I'm willing to trust your sense of judgment about the world. I'm willing to, I'm willing to trust your, your vision for business. I'm willing to trust your vision for church. I'm willing to trust your vision for your family. I'm willing to trust your vision because your vision has come from my vision. Because it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you, and gives life to your mortal bodies. It is the same spirit. We're, we're, we're thinking... You know, people often ask me, how do I hear God's voice? I don't hear God's voice audibly. I don't see a TV that opens up and video screens and all that kind of stuff. Very rarely does it happen. But you know what? While I'm talking to you, the, I feel an impression. I hear something in, in me, in me, on the inside of me that makes me say, hey, I say it. And as soon as I say it, the Holy Spirit goes and he makes things happen for people's lives. Do you, do you understand? You know, do you understand the office of a prophet is not somebody who hears God and speaks. The office of a prophet is somebody who creates a life for you to live around. It creates the life around you. We need to speak life into our own lives. And unless we move, God will stay where he is. You've got to move. You've got to step out. You've got to take a risk. You've got to, you've got to take a risk and fall in love. Amen. Yeah. Do you understand? Yes. Come on. 
Fall in love with people. Fall in love with God's creation. God's creation is looking, is waiting for you to rise up into this maturity where you understand your purpose is not just to wait, watch life pass by. Let's go fishing on the river and do absolutely nothing with your life. Do you, do you understand? Your, your, your job is not to go to the office and push a keyboard 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. There's much more to your life than that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you okay? I can do all things. I want to I take you to a story in, in uh, 1 Samuel <clears throat> about a guy who was content with God, but he was not content with life. And some of us have become content with life, but not with God. <laughs> We're like, God, I'm hungry for you. I want more of you. He's given everything. He's already given you everything. Ephesians chapter 1 says, I've given you every blessing in the heavenly places that's been already given to you. And we're like hungry for more of you. When was the last time you said, I'm hungry to change the world? Oof. Come on now. And the story is about a man named Jonathan. Really awesome man. It's 1 Samuel chapter 14. But uh, I want to actually read from... Chapter 13. What All right, let's, let's read from verse 1, 13. <clears throat> Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel, and in the mountains of Bethel, and a 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people were sent away, every man to his own tent. And here it goes. There were 1,000 people with Jonathan, but here's what it says. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. Verse 5. Then the Philistines gathered to, together to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. Wow, that's pretty crazy. So... I'll just give you the context of the story. Saul has become king, and now this is in his second year. After two years of being a king, the, the prince now decides he's done with living a comfort zone in a comfortable place. And he decides to go out and attack a garrison by himself. Okay? A garrison is a, is a, is a traveling party of, of, of the enemy soldiers. They're patrolling the place, and he goes out, and he attacks them, and he kills them, and he's picks a fight. So he goes out and he picks a fight and with the enemy and it's, it's pretty crazy because Israel now have, they just got a king. Okay. And all the Israelites, no one can fight. Okay. All of them are farmers and they actually have to take their, their axes and, their, and all their pitchforks and all the tools that they use for farming. They actually have to go to the Philistines and sharpen their tools with them and actually pay them money and then come back and do their farming. So they're under oppression. They're in fear because the Philistines are all around them. This is living every day. And Jonathan now, who's, who's Saul's son, understands that, man, there must be more than this. And he has a desire for growth. 
He has a desire to see the kingdom of God, which was Israel at that point in time. The kingdom of Israel expand so that people can live in freedom. People can have the benefit of having their own businesses. Do you, do you understand? And so now you have, you have Jonathan who gets up and he attacks the garrison. And now the, the, the Philistines send 30,000 chariots to a small nation. 6,000 horsemen and, and foot soldiers as, as, as vast as the sea. Anyways, so, so we see that Saul doesn't know what Jonathan does. And when he finds out, he blows the trumpet and all the people come to Saul. And they say, what have you done? Why have you put us in this position? We don't want to fight. That's why we made you king. We made you king. We gave you our son so that you can have our army. And now you can go and fight. And the problem is Saul is looking at all this army around. And he's blowing the horn. And he's saying, "Every I need everybody. Everybody come. We're going to have war. Right? And so now Jonathan is with, with his armor bearer. And let's go to chapter 14. Now it happened, verse 1, it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines. Philistine garrison that is on the other side, but he did not tell his father. Have you ever met Christians, specifically, who really don't like to pick a fight? Have you ever met people who are, who are just, we are okay. Yeah. I like my job. Why do I need to go and start a business? My family is taken care of. Everybody's okay. Why do I need to go and, and pick a fight with the enemy? Why do I need to go and want to expand? Why do I need to grow? I don't want to grow. Because in order for me to grow, I've got to pick a fight with the enemy. And I've got to take something that he's has. Are you with me? It's something that he has, which is your blessing in the world. And unless you come out of your comfort zone and you pick a fight with the enemy, you will not know your strength. You will not know the potential of the renewed mind unless you step out of your comfort zone and you pick a fight with the enemy. Are you with me? And so let's go to, um, to verse 6. And Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. You know, we have, when we look at the realm of business, because I'm talking about business so much because of the realm is open for us today. When we, when we have the realm of business around us, it is occupied by people who are not of God. You're not picking a fight with people. You're picking a fight with an enemy that you can't see. You're picking a fight with the, a, 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 the kingdom of darkness who is controlling the world. Do you understand? And Jonathan is saying, I want to now, in the middle of the night, take my armor bearer and we want to go and attack these guys. There's 30,000 horsemen 
Uh, there's 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen. They have multitudes of foot soldiers. But he decides, him and his armor bearer, in the middle of the night, let's go pick a fight. They're already coming to attack you, but he wants to go pick a fight. When we come into a place of procrastination, it robs us from the revelation that God has called us to grow. God has called us to expand our tents. God has called us to go into the realm of business and pick a fight with the enemy because what he has is your blessing. Oh, come on. You need to understand that the reason why I'm talking about business is because I don't, know, I don't want to do my job forever. You know why? Because people who have jobs, please forgive me, I have a job as well. But I want to tell you this. But your jo having a job does not transform the economy. Having a business does. Having a business sets you up into financial freedom in such a way that you don't live according to the fear and the dictation of man. You don't live under the subjection of someone else's rules and regulations. You decide what is good for your future. You decide what is good for your family. You decide. And most people don't want to decide. Because they want to blame God when things don't work out well. And so Jonathan here, he's saying, man, let's just go. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Very interesting. Maybe God will work for us. Let's just take a risk anyways. Let's just step out anyways. Let's just, let's, just, let's just see, I have a desire for business, not because I want to make money, but I want to see transformation. Don't get me wrong when I say your jobs are, you know, business is better than your jobs. All I'm saying is business gives you the opportunity to bring transformation. Your jobs will have transformation only with your business. But unless you come into a place where you're at the top of your business, at top of the company, you can't bring transformation. Please understand, there is a sphere of influence that you have. When you are a business owner, you are now in a position to make decisions that will impact the city and the nation. Do you understand? And so now Jonathan is here. He's like, maybe the Lord will be with us. Maybe the Lord will rescue us. It really speaks of his relationship with God. It really speaks of his contentment with God. He knows that God has rescued Israel before. He has heard the testimonies. He has meditated on the testimonies. He has allowed his mind to be renewed by God's word in such a way that he's willing to step out of the boat. He's willing to step out of his comfort zone. He's willing to step out and do something that... Normal people are not doing. Well, the entire nation is grumbling about how the economy is, how, the, how, how, how jobs are being, uh, being lost, how, the, how unfair things are in the, in, in the workplaces, how unfair the rules of the city and all that kind of stuff. Is there anybody like Jonathan who will step out and say, I'm going to pick a fight with the system. I'm going to pick a fight with the realm of the spirit so that I can now extend and grow. Rather than wait for something to happen in my life, I'm going to make something happen in my life. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. You know, Kelsey and I, we, had a, we, had a, we were part of a great church. 
we were part of, we were doing awesome things. We, were, we had the most amazing amount of influence in the, in the city and in, in churches and with pastors. And, and everything around, around us was awesome and life was good. But when the Lord asked us to move out, the question was, do I remain in my comfort zone? Do I remain in a place where, I'm, you know, everything is good? I'm not being challenged to grow. I preached one message in seven years. If God called me to go out and, and pastor a church, that means I have to preach every Friday. That in itself was like, I have to stand before people and speak. Wow. But, but the reason why we stepped out of the boat is not because we didn't love people. It's just because God showed us that there was something more. There was a greater, so, there was a greater source of influence in our lives that would bring more transformation in people who are not in one church. Are you with me? And when we stepped out of the board, it was just two of us. But we stepped out with, with faith knowing that the same God who helped us before will help us again. It will help us again and again. The same God who helped me preach my first message will help me today when I'm preaching my 200th message. I don't know. But, 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 but my point to what I'm saying is communication is not my strength. Singing is my strength. Standing in front of people who are looking at me is not my strength. To, to talk to them and inspire them is not my strength. But I've got to come into a place where I realize it's really not about me. It's about bringing transformation in people's lives. What can I do to step out of the boat so that I can bring transformation in people's lives? <clears throat> you know, I, I remember a story. Are you guys okay? I was a, a story when I, you know, not a story, but it's something about my life. But I remember when I was in my seventh grade, I was selected to play hockey for the school team. Anybody play hockey? Anybody? Hockey? Field hockey? Awesome. So you know that it's with sticks, right? Hockey sticks. Right. So, so in my seventh grade, I was selected to play for the school team, senior team. And I'm, uh, they, they gave me, the, all the positions were taken. From back, center, center forward, right out. And they gave me a position which was left out. I mean, left wing. Left wing, left wing, left wing. Not left out. I wasn't left out. I was on the left wing. Okay. And so I'm by, by nature, I'm right-handed. And so for me, scooping the ball, hitting it, doing all that kind of stuff, striking, dribbling, when I'm on the right wing is very natural for me. And so it's a comfort zone. I'm really good with it. But there was a guy who was better than me. So they put him there and there was nobody left. So they put me on the left wing. And so because I'm not left-handed, it was, a, it was a, an issue with me. I'm like, man, come on. Like, how do I, like, how do I turn? And how do I, you know, and, and I had to, they sent me straight away for the, for the games. 
And with the team, I'm looking at all the team, and then, you know, you, you, before you get on the field, it's like, you know, you look at everybody, and they're like, you, you size them up. It's like, it's like you, you look at them, and like, ah, small guy, small guy, small guy, small guy. You know, all, okay, small guy. Yeah, we'll win, man, we'll win. No, no problem, no problem. But the problem was that because I looked at my inability, even the position that I had, I could not perform in that position. Are you with me? Because I, I looked at myself in a negative manner, I, it stopped me from being skillful where they placed me. And so now when the game started, I'm running left out, up and down, up and down, nobody's passing the ball. I'm thinking, man, why did they take me on this team? And then when I wasn't ready, the ball came. <laughs> when, you know, have you ever been in this position where, you know, people look really small, but when they're running at you, <laughs> they feel like they're giants? I started feeling the ground shake. I started feeling people's eyes on me. I started feeling people with hockey sticks coming at me. And when the ball came, I just froze in that moment. I froze because my coach was screaming my name. My teammates were screaming my name. The enemy was screaming my name. The devil was screaming my name. Nobody else. Jesus was nowhere in sight. <laughs> and I froze that day and we lost the game. Not because I froze, but we lost the game. I, I, I walked away from that, from that game and I, and I asked the Lord. I was in my seventh grade and I asked the Lord, Why? Why couldn't we win this game today? Why couldn't we? And he said, because you're not a team player. He said, you, you think your skill is all that you need in the kingdom. He said, you think your, your skill is all that you need in business? Your skill is all that, you, your gifts are all that you need? He says, I'll, I will put you in a position where you don't have to depend on your skill. But you have to depend on your teammates. He put me in a position to teach me to become a team player. So that one day I know how to become a pastor. It's when God, when God passes the ball to you and you're not in your comfort zone. Look for your brother who is better than you. Who is doing business better than you? Who's a better father? Who's a better husband? Who's a better preacher? Who's a better leader? Look for the person who is good at what they do so that you can now spend time with them and you can allow, your, allow those people to sharpen your gift. If I, allowed, if I allowed my colleagues, my teammates to sharpen my gift playing on the left wing, I could have been excellent at what I did. But then at the end of the day, I wouldn't have been a team player. I wouldn't have looked at them to pass the ball so that they can score the goal so that we can win as a team. See, for us in, in the kingdom of God, God is looking for team players. God is not looking for individuals. That one man ministry died on the cross. God is looking for a family of believers who believe in one another. He's looking for people who will believe in the potential and the strengths that we have. 
and allow the strength to lead us in a moment when we're weak. God is looking for people who can bring transformation. But transformation will not come by one person alone. Transformation comes when you understand that every Jonathan needs an armor bearer. And every armor bearer, listen to me, and every armor bearer needs a Jonathan. I would like to ask you a question. Most people put themselves in, in Jonathan's position. But how many of you said, I want to be the armor bearer? Because the armor bearer is weak. The armor bearer is playing on the left wing. The armor bearer runs into battle carrying an armor. He's not carrying a weapon. An armor bearer is someone who, who sits on a team with a leader there and the leader makes the choice. Everybody wants to be Jonathan because they think they can do it all by themselves. But Jonathan needs an armor bearer and an armor bearer needs a Jonathan in their life. Everybody needs somebody with them who believes in them. If the armor bearer did not believe in Jonathan, do you think Jonathan would have gone and attacked that garrison by himself? He would have exposed himself to 30,000 people who would have finished him. And sometimes we think that we can do things all on our own. We can go into business. Oh, let's just do it. When we have a community of people that we can just lean on. When we have fathers and mothers and, and elders and, and senior pastors and, and all these people that we, that we have in our life that God has placed a key team members. They handle positions on the field of the kingdom. And God is saying, if the ball comes at you, what would you do? Would you go out by yourself and do it? Or would you be a good armor bearer and pass the ball to Jonathan? God is looking at your heart today. God is looking at your mindset. God is looking to see whether you have it in you. We're all armor bearers. Please don't get me wrong. We're all armor bearers to Jesus. He will not move until you move. The kingdom will not advance without you. Every single person, whether you're in ministry or in business, whether you're, you're a housewife at home, God is looking to use you. God is looking, Jesus is looking for someone that can go into battle with him. Because no matter what, life or death, it's the greatest moment of our lives. See, this moment right here, right now, is a moment of inspiration. It's a moment of education. But you will walk out of these doors today and you will face a challenge. Would you do it on your own or would you lean on Jesus? Would you lean on and be that armor bearer that says, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm not going to go without you, Jesus. I'm going to go with you. I'm not going to go without your church. I know I have people around me. I know I'm a bomber bearer to serve. I know I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Jonathan that, see, some people are called to be Jonathans. You can't get away with that. But, but most people are called to be armor bearers. It takes one Jonathan to lead an army of 3,000. Doesn't take an army of 3,000 Jonathans to lead one armor bearer. 
We've got to, we've got to understand that, that maybe I don't have it all together. Maybe I don't have all knowledge. Maybe I don't have what it takes. Maybe I need someone in my life that can help me to get to that place that God wants me to go. The human potential is realized. The full potential of humanity is realized when we link arms with one another. The, your full potential of a human being is not realized when you go and do things on your own. It's when you stop and you look for your armor bearer and you look for your Jonathan and you look for your life coach. You look for your head in this church. You look for your brother and sister sitting next to you and say, you know what? I think I'm done with being in a comfort zone. I think I need to hang around with people who will challenge me so that I can grow. I need to lean on. I need to depend. I need to submit. I need to humble myself. And, and really, we need to come into a place where we really acknowledge who we are. But the potential is greatness. But greatness is only achieved when we do it together. If you look at church just as another meeting and not as a place of transformation, you will just come and visit and go home. But if you look at this church as a ministry of transformation, you will stand next to Jonathan and say, I will be your armor bearer. Every opportunity that we have to serve in this church is an opportunity to be an armor bearer. Whether it's the crew team, whether it's production, whether it's worship, media, art, but every single area, every single place, opportunity to serve in our church is an opportunity for you to be an armor bearer. Yeah. Don't put your hand in a place that does not transform. Put your hand and invest in a place that brings transformation. If every single person in this church serves, we've reached greatness. The outcome is not greatness, it's every single person in this church that decides to serve. We have reached greatness. Because there's no other church in the, in the world that has every single person serving. But it's not just serving for the sake of serving. It's because I'm, I want to be an armor bearer because I want to invade the darkness. I want to invade. I want this place to grow. That's why we got to pick a fight. 2019 is going to be a year where Every single person in this room is going to be busy. Yeah. 
Yeah. We're going to be busy. We're not wasting time. We're adding value. We're changing lives. We're transforming lives. Every single thing that we do, whether it's putting the cables, whether it's putting the chairs, whether it's making this meeting happen, we're making a difference. We're making a difference. We're transforming people's lives. So I want to invite you to stand up.